Hello there, welcome back. Welcome back to Get Ready For It, what absolutely is episode five. There is no uncertainty between me and Steve. We've got this drilled. We are we are learning the lessons we're from the aligned. past. <laughs> we are totally, well, we're absolutely clear and we've got agreement between one, one another, which brilliantly, once again, takes us on to what we're talking about today on Everyday Being. The title of today is Judgment and Agreement, which I think are a really interesting mixture of probably two core components of, of what we're referencing in, in being, um, which to some extent, actually, we could have as two separate things, because actually there's absolutely loads for us to think about and some brilliant everyday examples. But actually, we think there's some lovely overlap and connection between the two so we've absolutely brought them to together so uh judgments and and expectations will be what we're talking through uh today uh so you know ju judgments i guess is that notion about what are the things that we look at and the i don't know the attachment we put onto things the description that we have on things the book of law is that good is that is that bad is it right is it wrong or all, all different i don't know labels and symbols we're talking about around judgments and 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 what the reason that you know to some extent it talks about you know agreements and expectations um is is actually that there, there is that close link between them them both because actually when when we think about them the expectation is the what will be and judgment i guess is what has happened which to some extent it links to time and 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 what we were talking about in the last episode um but the connection between those two things is is strong and therefore what we're really talking about is have we got that clarity in what we're doing on the way that we're being or the way that we're interacting with other people and it can be you know clearly our, our loved ones it can be work colleagues it can be friends it could be actually professional relationships we've 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 got about have we got that clarity and to some extent real uh conscious and overt um commitment and agreement between each other and then how do we look at what has what has happened and what has been been delivered um so so th those are the sort of two things in the area we're going to play around with today as as ever uh we're going to talk about some i don't know some ideas some theory some theory some some work that other people have done because we've got some some uh, names that we'd like to reference some that you'll have heard of before some that actually might be might be a little new and interesting for you as well and then as ever we're going to look at it about how we bring these things to to life uh and really think about them from an everyday basis an everyday perspective so that you can start to see about how are your own judgments how are your own expectations influencing and impacting your experiences and ultimately what impact they might be having on your well-being or your happiness because let's come back to it what's this podcast all about trying to do is bring to a sense of being to life thinking about it from an everyday perspective in order quite frankly to improve happiness that's my view of an overview. I've not even said hello and I've not even said checked in with you yet, Steve. Uh, I've gone straight into it. Firstly, right. how are you? Secondly, what's your what's your 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 thoughts on an introduction? <laughs> yeah. No, that's it. You are straight into it, which is I guarantee I'm good. Uh you are you well? 
Yeah, no, top banana. Yeah, yeah, yeah no, I'm, yeah. I'm, 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 I'm good. Really yeah, good. Yeah, good. Um, yeah. So I guess <clears throat> when we were thinking about this, I think as we are sort of been thinking more about topics to cover, I, I, I think sometimes some of the distinctions you can make can be really helpful to sort of get into some of the more specifics of the this sort of sense of everyday being. Um, and I, and maybe we'll cover other distinctions. You know, I think sometimes things like pleasing versus serving is a useful distinction to explore or victim, yeah. victim mindset versus ownership mindset. And then I think the one we've picked today about expectations versus agreements is a, is a really useful distinction to sort of start to explore some of the things we've talked about around uh, thinking, around how we can sometimes sort of misuse our thinking around judgments, which we sort of talked about last time when we, we talked about time. Um, and this is a distinction which I think there's some really interesting um, perspectives on this. I think Steve Hardison, The Ultimate Coach, which I think we've mentioned before, yep. the book that was written by Amy Hardison, sort of touches on this. And I think then also the work of Steve Chandler is very well known in the coaching field and has written I don't know, 30 odd books or whatever. I think he wow. he make, he uses th this distinction as well. So I think it is a useful sort of one-to-one -one pick. Um, <clears throat> and I suppose, you know, stepping back then, it's just, and we'll maybe just define what we mean by them. What's the distinction between expectations and agreements? But I guess it, it's pretty useful to start with, you know, what's the value of judgments and expectations? Because um, it's really interesting, and I sometimes, I think we sort of touched on this last time, but this sometimes comes up in the work you do with individuals. And I think it's a really useful exploration of what, is there a value to judgments and expectations? And I think, you know, where I've got to, and it'd be interested in your perspective on this as well, Gareth, but is that it's, it's almost in the nature of thought to make discriminations so in a way thinking works works in duality it's what enables us to differentiate black from white or good from bad or right from wrong so we in a way the nature of thought is that it helps us to make judgments about things and be able to label things and be able to differentiate one thing from another and so it sort of operates in that dualistic sense. And as we mentioned last time, then it's our thinking that really creates time as well, because okay. thinking um, invariably, you know, to make those judgments, those discriminations, we're using our information and our experience from the past, or we're starting to think about what we might want or where we might be heading in the future. So in a way, it's a very powerful tool to enable us to learn from our past and learn from experience and reflect on that and then be able to, you know, create new and different things in the future. And, and I think it's really interesting. This is like a subtle thing for me, but it feels like that making judgments and being judgmental are two slightly different things. That, okay. you know, in a way, if I say to you, Gareth, oh, do you want tea or coffee? Do you fancy a tea or coffee? You might go, oh, yeah, thanks, you. I'll have a tea. 
but it doesn't mean that you have to make a judgment about coffee you know oh yeah yeah, I yeah, yeah, yeah. coffee and coffee's for you know whatever whatever you know you can you and so often in life we're making judgments about things that are helping us live our everyday our everyday experience but we don't have to be judgmental no and i think it's when when our thinking starts to fall fall into the sort of judgmental category that we start to get into problems and i think it's quite interesting that then when we start with those more that judgmental mindset or when you sort of hear people sort of complaining about things you know when you sit down if you meet someone meet some people for a coffee or whatever it's really interesting sometimes how you realize how much of the conversation gets into sort of judgmental things about well they didn't make the coffee very well did you see the size yeah, of the yeah. and how slow they were at making the coffee and I asked for extra hot and this certainly is an extra hot and you can almost fit, see then that that those though that judgmental mindset then the expectations creep in because it's like well you know if if you ask for that you expect this and when you come into a place like this you expect this or you expect that and it's quite interesting actually and when I'm conscious of it I cannot notice it in myself and I can notice it in the conversations I'm having with people around me but it's really interesting how you just get sucked into it and before you know it you're into that you're into that dialogue without even realizing it which has always made me think my god that must be such a common that must be such a common sort of experience for people is that we're constantly sort of filtering life through what we think it should be how we think it should be what's right what's wrong how people should behave how people should treat us you know there's a very strong sort of um, background I think of expectations that you know it's not malicious often it's just things that is so almost so automatic that we sort of don't notice the the consequence of it mm. uh, and so it's sort of there in the in the background so i think it's quite you know like you said in your intro you know expectations and judgments sort of seeing how they you know they 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 they're both in a way uses of thought and they're ways yeah. that we can use our thinking that can sometimes get get us into problems and difficulties well, well for me there, it's just what's your sense of that yeah. no sorry was, yeah i for me it's, i almost think it's like so deep rooted and deep-seeded within modern i don't know modern society and modern things isn't it you know i don't know when you were thinking about coffee and you were sort of judge, judging which is you know i I'm not. I'm not particularly a coffee drinker. I like the idea of coffee, but actually, it's not. It's not something that massively appeals to me. But you know, Kate, Katie absolutely you know, love, loves coffee, and actually, is developing quite a refined palate on it. So I got no idea that is, but that's what she's sort of developing. Um, but you know, she's very clear on like you know high street places about that that they do good coffee. They don't do good coffee. Actually, that's not that that's all right for that. But you can't you can't have that. And what that almost made me think as well is that you know when you have like you know, trip advisors, you know, actually, you know, we, we, it is, 
you know, I, I don't particularly like it. I don't particularly use it. But actually, you know, give give us a like, give us a review. I mean, quite frankly, we're even asking for likes and reviews. We're even asking, you know, you to be judgmental of us. Of is it is this of any use? Is this entertaining for you? Is this helping in your life? So you know, I don't know. You look at all these things. We're just asking for reviews and feedback and everything everything we do. So, gosh, our everyday existence actually has got judgmental. Um, or, or brilliantly, I don't know. Yeah, well, clearly, my, my my daughter's a teenager, so everything's judgy. Don't be so judgy. Well, you're very judgy about that, weren't you? So maybe, maybe we should shorthand this for the kids. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But I, I think it's true. I, I, I think it's, I don't know, it almost feels to me it's more, perhaps it's just an unintended, con- it's an unintended implication of, of thought and thinking that, um it is incredibly powerful for us in terms of you know that ability to learn from experience and then be able to create something new and different in the future and and therefore that ability to make discriminations and make judgments is is really useful but like any tool i think as we've talked about thought thinking of thought as a tool you know it's it, it it's very easy to sort of misuse it if we're not careful. And, you know, I do wonder whether a lot of the challenges we get around mental health, that people have around mental health, is that, you know, when you when you meet someone who's really stressed or you just think about it when you're stressed yourself, you know, invariably, you know, there is a lot of thinking about the way life is that is it odds with the way you want life to be yeah and um you know byron katie talks about that you know that that she's very well known for how she helps people with their with their thinking and challenging situations in life and you know she talks a lot about you know if you fight with reality you'll only lose 100 percent of the time so i think <laughs> invariably, you know when we when we do fight with what our experience is in the moment then there is that battle we are having that battle and we do tend to get caught up in lots of the judgments about the way things should be and feeling things are unfair um or feel like our expectations are being sort of thwarted or or um mm. you know you know not being met um mm. and i think it's really interesting how you know i know we've when we talked about um being that you can really, you can really um, see that when we get caught up in our thinking, we get caught up in our mind. It sort of separates us in a way from potentially separates us from other people because maybe we're judging them about our expectations or we're just making judgments about them, which creates separation. Whereas often when we're just really present with people and we're really connected, there's something that <clears throat> is sort of incredibly universal about that experience. I think we genuinely sort of connect it that it, through our sense of being and we can become incredibly, um, you know, become incredibly sort of empathetic and connected. Yeah. And there's a real sort of loving presence there. And that the the differences that we might have with other people 
sort of become less significant because we we're connecting at a much deeper level which is yeah. that, you know everyone's when everyone when anyone's in there really connected to their their state of being there's that and being really present and you know really in that sense of that that knowing awareness there's a real when people describe that quality and what that feels like you know they they use invariably the same words about being connected being understanding being empathetic feeling a real deep connection to other people because i think there's something that's really that's really universal about that and i think our expectations and our judgments sort of you know take us out of that take us out of that place takes out that feeling and sense mm. well i think it's interesting though as you're talking i'm thinking about the power of no expectations um why, why do I think of that? I was thinking about that, you know, when we are in, when we are present and absolutely in the, in the moment and in a conversation one-to-one or with, with many, <laughs> I think there's a lot of that that has no expectations about it, about what will happen, why we're there, where the conversation will go, what the other person will be, how they, how, you know, you just, you just absolutely wonderfully in, in, in the moment. But, uh, but I also think there is a, a mixture of expectation in there as well of um I, I don't know i expect myself to be connected to the moment i expect myself to be wholly wholly present um i started a little bit to think about actually do we expect the other people to to do that and then i was sort of you reminded of the conversation that we had with with suzanne a couple of weeks ago where we said it only takes one person you know we don't have to worry about what it um what what the other person is is thinking or doing or behaving and where they're coming from where where's their connection actually that one person um will yeah we'll, we'll bring it back together um one, one of the things we, we, we might reference later on is sort of is within a sort of an, an agreement is that notion of adult to adult behavior which actually comes from some work on uh, probably commonly known as transactional analysis and it's it's got this sort of in a really interesting model that talks about parent child and 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 actually that either be it nurturing um nurturing parent um or, or, you know there are different types of sort of parents and different types of, of child but what what the sort of the model talks about is the power of adult to adult relationship and if one party acts as the acts consistently acts as, as their adult regardless of what the other party is doing it will now or gravitate them towards that adult to adult behavior mm-hmm. um which which i guess was making me thinking of comes back to that um it only takes one person is because actually if it doesn't doesn't matter what expectation i have of you actually if my if my if my being is connected to that moment whether i expect it or not actually that that will behave like a magnet that people will come come towards and and look, not it's not one hundred percent guarantee, right? Is it? You know, I I I think it it might not even happen quickly. It might not happen at all. But actually, I think more often than not, actually, if you're coming from that from that that place, people will come closer towards you. Hmm. 
Yeah. I, I remember a situation I had with work and a number of years ago, and it was a really kind of tricky and emotional situation. Um, um, we were trying to resolve quite a big, a, a, a big issue for, for an individual. And they, they came in, you know, to the to the meeting just so full of emotion and high stress and anger and and actually i was you know i i was the person that they were almost going to sort of vent this this sort of you know fury and anger at because of the injustice and how they were they were they were feeling and and actually you know it did it did sort of cross a line of what is um, yeah, what I don't know. I'm I'm, I'm probably going to use judgmental language here. I'm, I'm doing it conscious consciously, and we can talk it through. Of you know, probably in that situation, what was appropriate behaviour? What was professional behaviour? What was behaviour that actually was going to going to move it forward? Um, and actually, I, I, what what I ended up doing was saying, look, I, I want to help. I want to resolve this matter for you, and I can see the impact that it, it is it is having. I want I want to resolve this, but I, I, if this if you keep talking to me like that, if you keep if you keep behaving, I can't stay in this meeting. That wouldn't that wouldn't be appropriate. So we're going to have to bring it to a close, um, and 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 unless there is some level of of change here. Um, and and interestingly, I, I like for me, I think that was that was sort of adult behaviour. That was just sort of calling something out, and and almost sort of that was a bit of a switch. Um, that it probably didn't immediately. Maybe it's not a switch. It, it it was a change. It didn't immediately bring the person actually into a place where we could, which we did, you know, get the matter resolved for for them. Um, it probably took, you know, took a, probably a good sort of 10, 10 ish minutes in it, but, but actually that, that, that sort of adult conversation actually did bring the person back closer, sort of step by step in, in, into that. Um, um, so, that, so there is something about actually that the, the, the power of one person that connection to that that moment actually that sense of uh i i can i can create the change if actually i um i don't know i i i either have no expectations or actually i've got my expectation of of myself does that does that yeah. make sense i don't know yeah i think yeah no, I could, yeah because i think so if you use transaction analysis as an example <clears throat> what sits behind it then is sort of I'm okay, you're okay. So if you're if you're operating with someone adult to adult, it comes from like you're describing there in a way, Gareth. From your perspective, it's look, I'm okay, you're okay. So in a way, that goes back to my mind. That goes back to being. It's saying, look, in our at our human being level. <clears throat> you're okay, I'm okay, because we're the same at that fundamental level. We're both human beings. And I, I think where, where we get into problems is <clears throat> we either put people on a pedestal, which is in a way saying, you're okay, I'm not okay. And you can do that. You see that in work sometimes where the, someone will put the more senior person on a pedestal. Oh my yeah. God, you're okay you know, you're more powerful, you're more important, whatever. And, you know, and that's where you get the 
sort of parent-child type of dynamic, or you look down on someone, which is you're not okay, I'm okay, but you're not okay, and then you look you look down on them, and then you can be quite a sort of critical, you know, like a critical parent to them. So I think, yeah, what th- this is also saying that when we have agreements with people that that go beyond expectations we are connecting more at that human the human being level which is almost mindset wise we're coming from a place quite grounded in our being yes and from yeah. a perspective of look you're okay i'm okay this might be a difficult challenging situation i might be the more senior person that whatever but look behind all of that we're still two human beings and if I can come from that place of, yeah, okay, this is tricky. There's some difficult conversation we've got to have. But if I do it from a place of, look, you're okay, I'm okay, then you can find a way of connecting with the person <clears throat> and being able to sort of, you know, respond, communicate, engage them from that sort of that sort of mindset. And, you know, like the conversation with Suzanne, it doesn't mean everyone will then join you there. But it's like, well, but if you're coming from that place, it it tends to have a resonance for people. People tend to sort of pick up on that. Um, But even if they don't, it's like, well, you're giving yourself the best chance of sort of navigating through that situation. Yeah. Um, Whereas often, and this is where I think coming back to expectations, it can sort of, get in the way I, uh, someone um last year sent me an email that had been sent by someone in a, a senior person in a business that was really to do with um an issue that had surfaced with people um going on holiday <clears throat> and sort of leaving other people in the lurch a little bit and not being contactable and there was various issues that came up with with clients and so there was a, this email was there was a positive intent, which was, look, just when you go on holiday, you know, don't leave other people in the lurch was in effect the background to it. Yeah. But the email and someone forwarded it to me. And it was really interesting because it said my expectation, you know, you could almost even as I'm saying it to you, you could almost hear it being said in that way. And that's how people were reading it. You know, so it was the expectations are. And, and and my expectation is this, and my expectation is that. And when you do this, my expectation, and it was all written in that language. Yeah. And it went down like a lead, like a lead balloon. Yeah. And of course, that so it really pissed, like really pissed people off, really. Yeah. And to the point where people were then thinking, right, I'm when I take my holiday, I'm going to make sure it's somewhere where I'm completely uncontactable, you know, up a mountain somewhere or whatever. Because it's an organisation that often you you do get you know distracted on your holiday sometimes. So it sort of sent so the positive intention, which was look, just don't leave your your teammates in the lurch, sort of created this yeah. quite a toxic response. Because I think if you think of it, it is you know going back to your point about TA. It you know if I say to you, well, Gareth, my expectations of you are x y and z it it sort of one it's like who am i to have my expectations of you it does feel quite like parent child yeah 
who likes that really because you it sort of feels that it's it's quite you feel resentful it can create quite a toxic environment i think um yeah i think often it can lead to anxiety for people because sometimes invariably uh, certainly a lot of work i do um with some of the organizations i work with you can feel they're quite pressured environment and so often those expectations aren't really clear so of course as people get quite busy and they're a bit stressed and they tend to overthink things anyway those expectations are a little bit ungrounded suddenly can mushroom in someone's head and quite often well always actually if you're ever working with someone who's really struggling really quite stressed they've always got lots of assumptions and expectations that they've innocently, it's all innocent, they've innocently created in their own mind. And when you say, well, do you you know that's true? And they'll they'll have evidence for why, but they've not really tested it. They've not really grounded it. And then I think the the consequence is that, and this is a conversation I have with someone today, because this came up in a coaching session I was doing, and it was like, if what what's the value of an expectation because if you meet the expectation well then you've just met it so it's quite neutral really it's like well yeah okay you met my expectation of course invariably people don't meet their own expectations or they find other people don't quite hit the mark for them in terms of their expectations so there's a negative yeah so it both in both ways it's either neutral so it really doesn't mean anything (laughs) or or it's it's net negative (laughs) oh yeah but there's also exceeding though what about what about that well often it's like well you exceeded my expectations well so what? Yeah, but there's but, but people would say there's positive that comes from that, isn't it? You know, I'd I don't know, you you know, you get more than you ask for. Yeah, you know, I did I don't know. I, I don't know. I went on a plane, I was expecting to go to a, in in economy, but actually I got an upgrade and for the same price I'm turning left on the plane and I'm going business class. That that exceeded my expectations. I've had a lovely experience. Didn't think it would happen. That makes me feel great. So actually, there I go. Is that because I think isn't this probably why to some extent actually expectations is something that that you know it, it is so, so inherent within uh, life is because actually you know people are looking for that buzz that comes from it. But I suppose what I would say is that if you go if you go with no expectations, then there's. I think my experience is the less expectations I have, there's just a natural, there's more of a natural openness, a joy in, in the everyday things that yeah. you're you're doing. Um, so, yeah. you know, just give me an example. Um, you know, Elsie Spittle, who was, was someone that was, um, well, Sid, so Sydney Banks, who we've mentioned a few times, the three principles, originated three principles. He always used to joke, Elsie Spittler was the only friend, him and her husband, Ken, were the only friends he had before his realisation and afterwards, because so many people freaked out at the the massive shift there was in him. And Elsie would say, you know, you'd often go out with Sid 
for a, and have a, t- a coffee or you'd sit down for a cup of tea or something. And he goes, oh, my, he would say, oh, my God, this is the, the best cup of tea I've ever had. <laughs> and and she was saying it wasn't like he was pretending. It was like in that moment, he had a real joy in that cup of tea. Yeah. And so she said it wasn't like a put on. It wasn't like, oh, yeah, let's let's think positive. She said it was like his his openness to life. And his ability to just be completely connected to his moment-to-moment experience. She, you know, she would be honest and say, you know, he had his moments where he would find himself in a low, low mood for something. But she said he'd always, he'd always come back to that. And I think there is that quality, you know, you, the, the Sydney Banks, the Eckhart Tollies, the Byron Katies, that you really see with them that even though they've clearly had a glimpse of the true nature of life in a much deeper perspective you think well if, yeah. if it was a thing that you arrived at then that would be it you've seen it you and that would be done but it's not because their engagement with life is then more they're more present they're more engaged Sid would always say you know there's more to see there's more to understand so they're in effect more engaged with life they 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 create they create life through them in the way that they live and what they do from their understanding and i think there's seems to me there's a real lesson in that that when we're coming from our being without those expectations i think that then in a way there's more joy in there's there's the joy in if you go right into the plane or if you go left you know you can go oh that's lovely i can go right Okay, I'm in economy, but isn't it lovely? I'm going on holiday or I'm going to see yeah. some friends or whatever it might be. And if you go left, it's like, oh wonderful. I'm isn't that nice. I'm going to go and see some friends. I'm going on holiday. Oh, and I get a slightly bigger seat. Oh, and I get a nicer meal. And it's like, yeah, and it's lovely to have those those moments. But it's much better to have those moments on a more regular basis rather than have the potential ups and downs of expectations which is when they're exceeded you're really happy when they're neutral doesn't mean anything and of course invariably you know life lets you down if you if if you have lots of expectations everyone i know that i would say everyone i know that has that's a real thing for them expectations i would say does what does way worse with life than um, people that are have less of that are fully engaged in life, and I think that's really that's really where the high performance. Yeah. I was I was listening to a podcast with Johnny Wilkinson and Mike, uh, Dr. Michael Gervais, and um, he's a sort of sports psychologist, and it's really interesting They're talking a lot about the stuff we've talked about and. He was saying he worked with an Olympic athlete and she, I think she'd won the gold medal. She was on the podium and he said, you know, he was there and he was watching her and he could see she had tears in her eyes. And uh, he said after that, she came over and spoke to him and um, she said, oh, you know, did you see that, you know, I was crying. And he said, oh, yeah, you know, was that the, the joy of the achievement and everything? And she said, no, it was that. I've won this and nothing's different. 
Yeah, yeah. And he, he, you know, he said that that was. He said, "I see that so often with, you know, the athletes that he's working with at the elite level that are incredibly successful, and yet." And Johnny Wilkinson was reflecting that fact that you you yeah. you keep thinking that this will suddenly make you feel better about yourself or more confident or more fulfilled or whatever, and you just you just realise that no, it makes absolutely no difference at all. Yeah. Because coming back to what we've talked about, it's that it comes it comes from within. Yeah. It comes from your being. It comes from the feeling of that, the feeling of your being, the feeling of presence, the feeling of awareness, and you. From there, you you go out to achieve whatever it is you want to achieve in life. Yeah, you're not expecting that to deliver something on the inside. So I think that's where, yeah, the expectations. The more you examine it, and I, I, th- I don't know if I've ever mentioned, but the. On the on Netflix, the documentary, the Drive to Survive, I think it is the F one. There's a yeah, really no, yeah, but... the, the I think I can't if it's the second first series or second series. I haven't been watching it recently, but there was one driver called Pierre Gasly who uh, drives for the Red Bull team. But there's the main Red Bull team, and then there's the feeder team. I can't remember what it's called, but it's so it's got a similar its owners, but it's a less a less effective car so it always runs a bit further back <clears throat> and they had to they promoted him to the top team which always runs you know the, the red bull has been obviously very successful and you could really see they were talking to him when he got promoted and the interview is saying you know about the what's expected and you know uh how is he going to cope with that and it was really interesting because he said, oh, the expectations the team have of me are nothing compared to what I expect of myself. And I remember speak, saying to Val, my wife, because we were watching it together, I said, that's not going to end well. That <laughs> the pressure that he's putting on himself and that's the what you could see it in the way that he described that. And it was so interesting that he he really struggled and he got lapped by his own teammate, which is the worst thing you can have, obviously, because you're driving the same car. So it's an effect the same. Oh, car. sugar, right. Okay. And so he yeah. literally got lapped in one race, yeah. which is like, that's the, the most embarrassing thing that can happen. Right. And of course, they were, you know, um, um, um what's he called? Uh, Horner, who's the sort of director was saying, you know, he's just overanalyzing everything. Because, of course, they measure when you're accelerating, when you're braking, and they can literally, to to the tenths of a second. And he was going back over all the data. And, you know, Christian Horner was saying, you know, you just can't drive a car like that. You can't drive the car through analysis because it's got to be so instinctive. And you could just see that all that expectation and the judgment and the pressure and the mental pressure he's putting on himself you could just feel like, yeah, you can't, you can't, you literally could not drive. I mean, they literally had to, to say to him, look, we've got to take you out of that seat. Wow, gosh. It, it just is not, it, it can't, it just, the way you're doing it just is not sustainable. And they put him back, they put him back into the other team, to the back team. Right. Of course, then goes back there, starts out driving the car again. 
So he's then suddenly, but for that car, driving way beyond it. So he's yeah. clearly a very talented driver. I mean, they're all talented, but he's clearly a very talented driver. But you could really see it was just, it, I, I mean, you know, maybe it was other things, but you could really feel the expectations and that pressure yeah. that he'd created for himself, innocently created for himself. You just thought that's that's what you see at that level. Yeah. Where, and I think it's really interesting. A friend of mine watches it and he's been watching the more recent series, but he was saying, you know, there's all this stuff about, yeah, you know, it's it's high expectations. And and his view is what they're really showing you is, is all the people that can just put that to one side and not get caught up in all of that and the money and all the rest of it and just drive and just drive the car. Mm. And that's that that is almost what you really see is that's the distinction. It's just those people that can just, yeah, okay, there's all of that, but I'm not, I'm not going to engage in all that. My focus is on what do I need to do to drive this car fast Mm. and all the expectations and stuff just sit, you know, sit to one side. Yeah. Well, I guess to come back a little bit to my question is, if, if if there's three outcomes, I'll either meet it, I'll fail to meet it, or I'll exceed it. And to some extent, actually, the, the thrill of the chase of expectations is uh, it will be exceeded. So therefore, there is that sense of, as we describe, I don't know, pleasure, delight, whatever it whatever it, it it might be. So that's probably what we what we have ingrained within us that if actually we exceeded expectations, that's that's the, the source, that's what we're going after. But I guess what we're encouraging, what we're suggesting is that actually when you have no expectations, that delight can can always come. Yeah. Because that, that that's always there, it's always available to us. Yeah. Yeah. I I, I think that's right. And I think it because it's I think the premise of expectations is that if you get them met, then you'll be happy. Yeah. And I suppose I think we're saying well fundamentally that is just coming from the wrong place because nothing outside of you in the world of form whether that's a relationship a job money achievements success outward success we're saying well nothing outside of you can bring that lasting happiness because happiness is the innate state of the mind so yeah, in our sense yeah. of being, there is that peace and happiness, which is the source or the, the seat of our being, the seat of our awareness. Therefore, you're never going to achieve it out there. So if you've already got it, then you're in a position of going, well, what, what do I want to create in my life? You know, what is it I want to achieve in my life? You know, what what sort of job do I want? What sort of relationships do I want? What sort of family life do I want? How much money do I feel I want to to, to do the things I want to do? And then it's, well, then you're free, you know, you're free to, to explore those things. You're free to create those things. You're free to aim towards those things. But you're not, you're not doing them on this sense that somehow that's going to make you happier or make you more fulfilled it's more no if if fulfillment happiness is who we really are then we're an expression of that out in the world and therefore 
what, why do you need why do you need expectations you can have goals you can have outcomes that you're working towards um but you know going back to our what we've touched on a few times before about investment involvement it's that yeah i think often it's the expectations people that work have a lot of expectations are very invested yeah you know i want to uh, you know when i when i get these things whereas if if we don't have that investment and we're coming from our sense of being and we're we're fully engaged and we're fully involved then why do you need expectations? You can have goals yeah. that you're moving towards, but your energy and your focus, you know, goes into your moment-to-moment sort of experience. Yeah. Um, a friend of mine uh, fairly recently talking about you know, being and some of the sort of core things that we've been, been talking about it and, and you know, it really uh, identified with it, really found it of, of benefit. And he just had this great... Um, had no experience where he was going to a pretty important business business meeting and um he 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 consciously made a decision that he absolutely would go and just be connected and be in in the moment and importantly um he absolutely had no expectation. So, so he went, it, went into this important meeting and they sort of said, right, okay, what, well, you know, what, what, what is it, what is it that you want to go through? What's on your agenda? What are the things that, you know, you, you want to get out of that conversation today? And, and, and brilliantly word for word, he said, I have got no plans. I've got, and he said this, I've got no expectations for this meeting. And their first reaction was, oh my God, that's, that's fantastic because we were, we were really worried that you needed to talk about these and there's some other ideas that we've got that, you know, we weren't sure that you would go for and we weren't going to bring up. So, you know, where do you want to take it? And, you know, friend was like, Look, you take it, you take it wherever you want. I'm, I'm here. Let's see where the conversation goes. And he said it was one of the best meetings that he's ever had in a business perspective. Um, and and really led to some really interesting uh, actions and and things that have really sort of you know helped him and it and and his business and just that core of that was just turning up with that two things of just going to be connected to this conversation and I'll just be really clear I, let us go where it will go I have don't have those expectations and it just sort of freed up that conversation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, that's a really good example of. It was just reminding me, I found this Jennifer Capriati quote from when she was very young, when she was 14, you know, she's a tennis player. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it, it was saying she was playing World Cup, she was playing in a tournament and doing really well. And the reporter was asking her how nervous she got when she was playing against some of the best players in the world. And she responded, she didn't get nervous at all. And um, she considered it a privilege to play with these players and you know, something she'd wanted to do for some time or whatever. But sure, and the report said, but yeah, but surely when you're in the semi-finals of a tournament and you're only 14 and with all the expectations that are on you, you must experience some stress. And her response was lovely. It said, her final answer to him was, well, if I was feeling frightened playing tennis, I don't see why I would do it. Yeah. <laughs> and it, you do hear that a little bit. I've heard that a little bit with some golfers that say when you're early in your career, there's just no fear because you're just, you're out there having fun. 
And it's only later, you sometimes later in your career where you have a bit more thinking about yourself and the expectations, you know, you're the world, whatever. And then suddenly that that all sort of kicks in and that really affects your ability to connect to something that's very natural in terms of your in terms of your performance. Mm. So I think you do, you know, I know, you know, we've mentioned Tim Goy a few times, you know, the inner game. Uh because I think he was really good on that. I think of really seeing that it's the judgment that causes us to to affects our awareness. So it affects in a way our ability to be really present. He called it self one and self two. You know, self two is yeah. that natural self, which we would say is our being. Yes, self one is that sort of critical voice, the, or the the voice that tries to take over. And I think it's. It's always that voice, I think, which is the judgments, the expectations, and then you can see it. It 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 does take away from your from your awareness. And he saw that even positive judgments, he would notice from a tennis perspective, would would start to create a bit of anxiety if he started to say, "Oh, great, you've you've hit this spot for the last three backhands or whatever." And he said, "I guarantee the fourth and the fifth one will be nowhere near that." <laughs> Because suddenly I've created a little bit of anxiety for the person who's now suddenly thinking, oh, I've got to, I've got to hit the next shot has to be as good as that. And then suddenly just that innocent judgment from a positive perspective sort of starts to get into the way of the performance. Mm. I remember one of the things I was liked in that book was he sort of slightly sort of I don't know, Norsley or Machiavellian uh, ways, but it was sort of say actually one of the best ways to put somebody off is just to sort of give a compliment about their game. Oh, yeah. you're, you're serving tremendously well today. Yeah. And, you know, to some extent the person had a notice and then starts thinking about how they are serving and whether it's going and starting to put, you know, put the judgment on everything that they're, yeah. they're doing. Yeah, yeah. It's so true. I did this, this is a bit of a cruel thing, but it was, I just thought it was very interesting. My, my when my son was, um, I don't know how old he was, but uh, years ago, he's in his 20s now, but I took him to the swimming pool and they had this these inflatables and it was like an assault course that you- Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I know you mean, yeah. And Will is very, very sporty, but uh, credibly coordinated. I mean, he works as a personal trainer now, but he just naturally, you know, he was always very good at sort of all sports when he was younger and so on and just move you just watch him and he just moves very well and I thought I I was thinking I wonder if you know it because he was going over all these obstacles and I think I wonder if you do plan you know going back I was reading the Galway thing I wonder if you did start to just get him thinking about things whether it would work and um and so I did I started to just because I was just in the pool on the side just talking to him and I just started to just just talk to him about at what he was doing to make him more conscious of of what he was doing and it was so interesting just taking him out of that flow and then just suddenly these thoughts and I can't remember what I was saying and I probably said things like oh you know don't don't fall over and so just plant it you know because obviously then yeah you're planting falling and and then it was so interesting within a few seconds he'd come over something slipped over went off the side <laughs> fell into the fell into the water <laughs> I thought, oh my God, that was that was a good example of just suddenly interfering with something that was a very natural, easy process that he wasn't thinking about and just 
getting the thinking coming into it that suddenly then took him out of that of that moment and then off over the side and into the water he went <laughs> I, I did tell so, uh... him it was an experiment <laughs> i did i have said i've been honest with him to say sorry i was just doing this this thought experiment to see so uh yeah. he... So either in a parental basis <laughs> or, or or actually in some kind of walk of life, may, maybe have a play yourself. <laughs> maybe just see, does is that something that you can notice in, in others in, I don't know, in, in, I don't think it can be anything that you're doing, isn't it? You know, be it hobbies, be it work, be it in relationships in whatever way, just, you know, have a look see if this thing actually does work we'd, we'd love to hear some examples so please get in get in touch if uh, yeah. you're manning to uh send your sign off into a deep <laughs> swimming pool off some massive inflatable inflatable things um i think you are we, we also thought we were going to talk a bit more perhaps about uh, relationships and kind of like expectations and judgments and agreements in in relationships as well steve weren't we yeah, because I, I think that is often where it really you really see it play out. I think that that we I think it's just very easy, and I certainly see it with me, it's very easy just to have expectations about a relationship or another person without almost realizing that you've got them. Um like even like a stupid example I had recently where Wow, my wife had sent me this lovely text earlier in the day. Uh, and I don't get loads of those sorts of texts. So it's a really nice sort of text and, um, you know, really sort of heartfelt. And then without even realising it, then because she was out working and I was working at home. And then, you know, she, she sort of came home and she was doing her own thing and whatever. And, and then I found myself a bit miffed. And it was only, and I was thinking, what? I don't, why am I, you know, why am I in a slightly miffed frame of mind? And it was only, I think it was, it, it, I'm not even sure it was that day. I think it was the next day. And I was thinking, yeah, you know, I felt just a bit, I don't know, like just a bit disconnected. And it only suddenly occurred to me, it was like, oh God, it was because of that text. I thought when she came home, there would be a way that she would be reflecting that text and she just came home was just tired and just doing her own thing nothing nothing out of the ordinary nothing negative or whatever and you know it was only like the next day and I was thinking oh my god that's what it was so without even realizing it I this that that had planted a seed of expectation that I hadn't even noticed I wasn't even conscious of and it was only you know, the day after when I noticed why was my feeling state a bit affected. And I thought, oh my God, it was that it was that thinking that I had about how she was going to be when she came back. So I think you can get it, I certainly notice it quite subtly. Um I remember a few years ago, I was really debating some work that I'd been involved in for a long time and was just thinking it started to move in a direction I wasn't wholly sort of so um, sort of comfortable with and was really debating, oh, should I just, is it time just to back away from it? And it was a reasonable amount of work, but I was thinking, oh, is it, 
you know, and I couldn't, it was, I looked like um and an R and about it because there were some aspects of it. I liked the people I worked with, I really liked. And I remember, <clears throat> um, you know, mentioned this to Val and she started to say something. And I said, oh no, I saw, right. I know what you're going to say. And, um, you know, I, I, I think what you're going to say is, yeah, you know, I should just continue with it because it's, you know, good, good work and it pays and whatever. And she goes, oh, no, no, I wasn't going to say that at all. And then she said something about how I could approach the situation, which was really, really helpful, really wise perspective. But it really caught me because I thought, oh, my God, I just, you know, we've been together a long time. And I thought, oh, my God, how how many other parts of our relationship do I live with that assumption and expectation of the way that she's going to think about something yeah and it was a real it was a really really caught me and it was really helpful in a way because I thought oh my god that's so so easy just to fall into that fall into that trap mm. and um and just think you know, and have an expectation about the way some someone else is going to think about something. And I think as our as our relationship has developed over the years, it feels that gradually we've we're much better at um, dropping those expectations and those needs of each other. But it's ongoing. It's an ongoing. You know, I'm not saying we've cracked it, but I think you can definitely see that as as more of those have dropped away, then the relationship, the feeling between you gets gets better and better and stronger and stronger. Yeah. I know we've referred to him quite a lot on, on the podcast, but um, I've always absolutely loved uh, George Pransky's relationship handbook. So we'd, you know, I think we both would advocate uh, the, the reading that and looking through that. Uh, but I probably would come with a sort of slight health warning is that actually it's, it's mind-blowing at, at times because there's some sort of real, I don't know, uncomfortable truths or some things that you sort of, you just don't particularly or traditionally just wouldn't, wouldn't come across. I always sort of remember one of the things that he sort of talks about is, is things about like, you know, everyday stuff. And to some extent, that's why his work inspires us to do the podcast about, I don't know, the frustrations or annoyance that we will have about simple things that your partner does or doesn't doesn't do. So the thing I always sort of think about is, you know, when when we get sort of you know really frustrated about they never do the washing up or they never tidy up after themselves. Where the hell, you know, where do they never do that? It's ridiculous. And what and what George sort of is this is the mind blowing thing that goes, yeah, but that's you. You no, no 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 it's 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 not me they're the ones not doing the washing up they do it really you know or do it really badly or just leave a mess everywhere whatever it might be and george go yeah that's because you have an expectation of how it will be done yeah and it needs to be done in a certain way and then you're you put a, a judgment on top of that about the way that they they would do it and mm. so that annoyance that emotion that you're putting in that frustration that you're you you have but of the other party that you hold them accountable for you are saying that's them that we most of us will walk around day in day out thinking that's the way it goes mm. when actually and this is the thing that we purport to from a being perspective is no that's us well it's that's really us good. Yeah, it's really no, you go, no, no, it's really interesting you say that because Lin, what Linda would say, Linda's George's uh, uh, wife, she'd say, 
one of her realizations around that was that she thought, well, everyone wants things to be tidy. I mean, surely that's universal. Everyone wants to live with tidiness. And it was only when George said to her he liked mess. And she thought, oh, my God, I never considered that. (laughs) And so I'm trying to force something on him that exactly what you're saying, Gareth, is all about um, her expectations. Yeah. But that was in response to someone saying, but aren't surely they're univer- the certain university that everyone would agree with, you know, like, I don't know, you know, having a tidy house or whatever it might be. And yeah. No, for her, it's like, no, that's what I thought. I thought that as well. And it was only when I truly listened to him and engaged with George that I understood that that wasn't true. And the other thing with George, which is really interesting, because I'd mentoring with him a few years ago, was that um, he had a stroke. So he he's sort of, um, you know, still recovering, but he's he made massive progress. And um, what is very interesting is how a lot of this understanding had been massively helpful with that. But one of the things he would say is that he he had no expectations. So what he saw was with the other people that had strokes that he was having treatment with, he could see that his advantage was that he had faith for the future, but he wasn't pinning it on anything. So he saw that certain people had expectations of where they would get to, whereas he never, he didn't have that. He had faith but he didn't have expectations and they were really shocked the the sort of surgeons and the treat some of the treatments he had which because of the stroke he had and the severity he wouldn't have normally had access to they were so impressed with the progress that he made that he had access to things and he would say a lot of that was because that he didn't have those expectations and he saw other people would then not be making the progress that they wanted and would become thwarted by that. And then that would stop, that would stop their progress. Whereas he um, didn't have that. And so he was just much more open, but, but faith, but had faith that things would progress, but didn't pin that to anything. So I thought that was incredibly powerful because you think that's someone that's, you know, dealing with something that was a, sort of life-changing experience and then I've just attended an event that they've done recently um you know you could really you could really see the shift I mean there's still a he, he he slows down and he's finding his words but there's there's a depth to that there's a real presence to him yeah because of that actually um and he uses that to great effect then in the work he does with people In preparation for for today's episode, you found a lovely quote by Alan Watts. Do you want to do you want to just share oh, yeah. that? Because well, the one I, the one I've then, got based on that, I think comes after. So yeah. I think you go first with that. Yeah. So the Alan Watts one was that. So Alan Watts is a um, I don't know what you call him really. He's a philosopher. I think he was a he was ordained. I think in the church, but then it was really good. I think at bringing east and west together, and so, so incredibly okay. thoughtful. Uh, wrote lots of books. Really, I love it. Anytime you can listen to Alan Watts, he's brilliant. He's so 
sort of and he's the one that talks about the dance doesn't he i'm sure yeah, you mentioned that to me yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. The life being a dance yeah um but he when he'd often be asked to marry a couple and he said the one requirement he had before marrying a couple was if one of you expects the other to change i will not perform the ceremony and that that was his one requirement was the check with the couples to say do either of you want the other person to change um and if they said yes, he'd say, I'm sorry, I can't marry you. <laughs> what was what was fascinating was that I didn't I didn't know that you were gonna gonna find that. Um, but I'm currently le- reading the four four agreements, which um I guess you've referred me to probably from sort of episodes one and two when we were talking a bit of sort of like the book of law. So actually I, I wanted to go and read it and I would advocate that that it's a really easy, lovely, lovely read. I think it comes from a different perspective, but um some of some of the things I think are, are really uh related to what we're talking about. So so another another one for the reading list. This reading list is getting quite extensive. And he, only last night I was reading sort of a paragraph and I went back to it when I read the notes that you'd brilliantly written for the show and I've written down what it said. And it's just incredible. So, so the quote is, real love is accepting other people the way they are without trying to change them. If we try and change them, this means we don't really love them. So I was just, I was a bit like, oh, this is a bit weird. <laughs> we brought it together. That was within 24 hours you'd written that. Yeah, and that's, yeah. that's some, something uh, something different from someone else uh, mentions yeah. that. So I don't know. I don't, want, I don't want to put too much sort of, I, I start sort of like overanalyzing that about different things, but I don't want to, I don't want to do that. Well, I suppose it does go back, doesn't it? To that it, it's unconditional. You know, love in its purest form is unconditional. And as soon as you put conditions on it, in effect, conditions or needs or expectations, then you you interfere with the flow of love. And um, so I think there is a there, I, you know, there is just a truth to that, I think, is that the more if you're in relationship with someone and the more the the love is free, then the you're going to have more of a connection there's a stronger engagement and we didn't we haven't really talked about the sort of agreements but i guess what the agreements is saying is that you know you i think in lots of relationships you don't have to have agreements i don't think that it's a sort of requirement to have an agreement but but i suppose the distinction between expectations and agreements is saying that that there might be things where if expectations start to come up or start to sort of contaminate the relationship, you're much better off turning those into agreements rather than expectations. You're much better off going back to what you said earlier, Gareth, about the transaction analysis. Adult to adult is, well, if we're working together or if we're living together or if we're in a relationship with each other together, are there some things that we just, want to be very clear about what we're taking ownership and responsibility for what's our commitment within the relationship and um and i guess the agreement is that you're upfront about what that what that is you know in a personal relationship might be who's taking responsibility for different aspects of our finances or the home or 
the car or the kids or whatever it might be. And it's saying that having an agreement about that is the way that you are clear about what you're both committing to, to each other. And I think in a work context, I certainly see in a work context where when people get they're a bit stressed with work, they're invariably working a lot with expectations that are very ungrounded. I mean, everyone I've worked with that's really struggling, they'll always have lots of thinking about and assumptions about what they should do, what they should deliver. Um, you know, I've had with with people where, like with some of the junior lawyers, where it will be if they've done a piece of work and they've they've then given it to a partner, for example, or they sent it to a partner. Other people that think they should stay in the office until that partner has looked at it, even if even if they sent it at eight o'clock at night, and they've not spoken to the partner to say, "Look, do, do you need me to stay?" Mm. They've not. They've not. They've just assumed that you have to. And of course, often the partners think, "Oh no, go! I wouldn't. I wouldn't expect that." Or, you know, it might be that. Look, if there is something we we promised this to the client, if there is something, can you just log on later and have a look at it, or whatever it might be? But you know, you just have the conversation. But I think when people are stressed and overworked and feeling anxious they'll suddenly create these expectations in their mind and not have not checked them out and almost not be in a fit state to do it. So quite often yeah. I'm encouraging people to be aware of what those expectations are and then turn them into judgments. And so that you, you're clear and the other person's clear. And then sometimes... But not judgmental. You know, Sorry. Yeah, and sometimes you say, well, what if what they want is something I can't do. It's like, well, you, it's useful to know that because you can then talk about that. Mm. But otherwise you get all this vague language of, you know, things like, well, I'll do my best to get it for then. I'll do my best for then. And it's like, well, what does that mean? It doesn't mean anything. It's, it creates noise for, for you as the individual thinking, what, what am I really committing to here? And do I have to do it by that? The person you've said that to is thinking, well, am I going to get it then? If they say, I'll get it to the end of Thursday, will I get it then? Will I get it Friday? Am I going to get it Monday? It's much better just to go, let's just be clear about what am I committing to here? And is that feasible? And is that possible? So it goes back to that adult to adult conversation. I think then as an individual, you feel better because you've got less noise in your head. And how do we differentiate then between the actually no expectation but clear agreements? Well, because I would say that an agreement, I I think one thing that I've really I, I've tried to be more mindful of through this work around being and the stuff that Steve Hardison, the ultimate co- you know, that's pointed to there is that. Be really careful about what commitments you make because you're ultimately, you know, if you're, if life is about the actions that you take and the actions you take are informed by the thinking that you have, 
and the orientation that you have to life and the way you think about yourself and the way you think about life. So I think when we're thinking about being, it's really saying, are you committed to that? Are you committed to your being? And the best way that you're committed to your being is that you're living from that being. And part of the way that you create your being is through your speech and the actions that you take ultimately. So it's the way you think, it's the way you speak, and it's the way you act. And I think you're when you're making agreements with yourself or you're making agreements with other people, that's your commitment to your being. That's saying this oh, is okay. who yeah, I'm going yeah, to be yeah. in relationship to you. And that's that's my commitment. So one of the things for me is I, I try to be much more careful about the commitments I make. Because if I'm honest, before I'd make them willy-nilly, <laughs> you know, and I'd be in that sort of, oh, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll do that or I'll do this or I'll do my best or whatever it might be. I'll try. Mine mm. was a real try. I was a real trier. And I try, I, I try <laughs> to be more mindful of, you know, if I commit to do it, then am I making that agreement consciously? Because I think then you feel better because your commitment, almost your commitment really is to yourself. So even if it might be that, you know, I commit to get something to you, for example, which looks like it's my commitment to you, but in a way it's my commitment to me. It's my commitment to my being in relationship to you. So yeah. you're really doing it for yourself in effect, because it's representing who you want to be. So I think that's a really, you know, really thinking about your commitments and, and, and how those become your agreements, I think is a really healthy way to sort of think about yourself because then there's a I don't know it feels like there's there's more there's more genuine satisfaction in that I think because you're sort of you're living your life in the way that you want to live your life you know your your commitment to 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 be you know to be the best version of yourself that you can be accepting that you make you know we all make lots of mistakes along the way but it's useful to have that sort of anchor point to keep coming back to. Yeah, I do. What I've started, I'm probably, if I'm really honest, I'm probably still sort of, yeah, working, working that through, you know, because I, I think there is some, it would be easy for, for us to actually say, I think they're, I think they're one in the, one in the, and the same, the, the bit that I probably start to differentiate in many ways is probably, I don't know, a work we talk about a lot about, you know, what the what we do and how we do it. Mm. Um, you know, be it sort of, I don't know, classically, the what's your objectives, the, you know, the, the, the how some sort of like values or behaviors or something like that. Most, most sort of big corporate businesses have something like that, don't they? Yeah. And I, ju I just wonder whether actually sort of the agreements and the, or, or the commitments, particularly making to yourself when you know that sense of being is almost a how, how I will be, but actually the, what the, what to some extent actually has that no expectation. I don't know. Maybe maybe now I've said that out loud. I'm not quite sure, but but there's something in that. 
Yeah, and I, I think it's, you can use, the word can be used in different, expectations can be used in different ways, can't it, I think, is where, because a lot of organisations have meet expectations, exceed expectations as the way their yeah, and reviews performance stuff, management yeah. system works. And, um, but I think for me that that distinction between um, having that a, a clearer conversation with people, you know, for example, if you're if you're leading other people, having that clearer conversation about um, you know what that person's going to focus on, what that person's responsible for delivering and an agreement of, uh, and clarity about how they're going to go about that and what's their commitment to that what what do they need from you to do that i just think it saves a lot of time and energy that with expectations where that that clarity is not created often it sort of lives a bit in the ether as to what that actually means in practice, I think creates a lot of noise. It creates a lot of noise and it creates a lot of sort of misunderstandings, I think, because people haven't spent the time to really clarify what what those are. I think you can still use the word expectations. You could you could say, well, if we agree certain things, well, that's we're we're agreeing what our expectations are. But I don't know about you, but whenever I hear my expectations with you versus my agreement with you, it feels like it's it, it agreement feels more like it's an agreement. It's a mutual thing. Yeah, it's mutual. Yes, yes, yes. Whereas expectations, yeah. I don't know. They they feel slightly more my expectations of you gareth they, they feel like it more of an imposition on you and something yeah i'm projecting onto you even if you're then so well are my expectations of you and you can sort of see in relationships i think where people get into battle around that if they're not careful well my expectation was you would do this and well okay but yeah but if i'm doing that my expectation would be you do this and it gets a bit i don't know into sort of those battles about expectations rather than okay let's just step yeah. back from that and just have some agreements about how we're going to run this house together or how we're going to run this business together or how we're going to go about achieving the goals that we need to achieve i think it's just more of a manifestation of what you were mentioning the transaction analysis of encouraging more of that adult to adult yeah It's a bit like, you know, in client situations, it could be that, you know, we have clients with high expectations. And if you're not careful, maybe that's another distinction is that then that leads you to, well, we've got to meet those expectations or we've got to please our clients to meet their expectations. Whereas I would say, well, no, you're, you're there to serve your clients. And serving your clients versus pleasing them is is quite different. Yeah, yeah. There might be yeah. things they're expecting of you that you think, well, they're not right. Um, they might not be 
always you know if, if it's a law firm there might be things they're expecting that legally you you can't do because they don't understand the full implications of what they're asking so even in that situation you can see that a com a, and a conversation that's more about okay well let's agree this let's agree how we achieve that goal or that aim or whatever you feel again you're much more it's a much more adult to adult conversation yeah. and just being hit by the expectations that you you've just got to meet whatever yeah yeah Well, I think we've probably exhausted. Do you think expectations and agreements? Now? Yeah, I, I, I mean, I, I'm not even sure we have exhausted it. I, I mean, I, gosh, I, I don't know. This could well be one of our longest. Yeah. Uh, quite frankly, Steve, it's been going on for, for some time now. So perhaps, perhaps whether we've exhausted or not, probably that's a good place to sort of wrap up for for today. Um, hopefully. There's been some really interesting content in there that uh, has resonated with you or something that you can take from it or, or something that can can help you. Um, as ever, we would love to hear from you. Please get in touch. Uh, Instagram, everyday.being or our email address, uh, email address is hello at everydaybeing.co.uk. We're particularly interested here if you can uh, do any kind of little... Uh, uh, experiments with your family friends or work <laughs> colleagues to put them off when they're doing things well or or not or not so we'd be really interested to hear that um as ever please be judgmental and give us reviews and ratings <laughs> on on wherever you get your podcast um uh because these things do make a difference in this judgmental world that we we live in um steve and i will be back for episode six of everyday being um steve any last closing thoughts no i just echo what you just said Gap. just check it out in your own experience i think you know it's a really interesting inquiry around just things like well what's the value of expectations or judgments or how clear are your agreements with with people in your life i think it's just interesting just to reflect on it from your own perspective and see if what we're saying makes sense in your in your life yeah i agree yeah uh last couple of things um uh on a number of the episodes we have said please get in touch if you'd like to come and join us for a conversation that that invite is always out there so please do get in touch we are prepping for another uh guest to join us in a couple of episodes uh time so we're looking forward to that but equally we'd love to, to hear from other people uh next time when we get together for episode six we're going to be talking about control um, we have got a um, uh, one of our blogs is about control. So uh, have a read of that in advance of the session. Um, that has been episode five. We've been talking about judgments. We've been talking about expectations. We've been talking about agreements. Hopefully there's something that resonates and helps you with your everyday being. Thanks, everyone. Thanks, Gareth.